Welcome to Kaleidoscope, a new podcast and a new twist on innovation. Through this podcast series, we explore collaboration as the main driver of innovation. I'm Alistair Cameron, co-founder of Starticus, and joining me to co-host is Krishma Kasurka of podcast Small Town Big Dreams. Kaleidoscope is a three-part Starticus podcast series in partnership with Elmarks, the innovation specialist and early-stage investor. Elmarks bridges the gap between corporates looking to innovate and startups looking to scale. Through its innovation labs, Elmarks helps both large organisations, for example BMW Group, British Airways and Lloyds of London, and young companies first imagine the future of their businesses and then move towards it. Since 2014, Elmark's collaborative innovation programmes have not only enabled more than 40 corporates to innovate, but also helped over 170 startups gain a foothold into a range of markets. Collaboration between startups and corporates can be a winning formula for both parties, but only if approached in the right way. And that's why we've made Kaleidoscope. We're here to share a different story, one about innovation as collaboration. Specifically, a story about startup corporate collaboration. Spoiler alert, it can end happily, if you do it right, of course. Part two, collaboration in focus. In part two, we talked to Alex Rottersley of Geovation, Guy Davenport of Lockpin, and Sam Bird of Elmarks, taking a closer look at collaboration through the lens of location and property innovation. Our guests share their perspective on corporate startup collaboration, drawing on their varied experience to outline how startups can successfully work, engage, collaborate with large corporates. Alex and Sam help us understand the opportunities that organisations like Geovation and Elmarks present for startups and the factors that influence the success of young companies on their programmes. Through Geovation and Elmarks programmes, Guy's company Lockpin has collaborated with and continues to work with large organisations including Belron, the parent company of Autoglass. Guy tells us how this sort of collaboration plays out highlighting the associated benefits and risks and explains how open collaboration allows companies of all sizes to keep pace with the rate of change. So uh, first up, some introduction, guys. Alex, if you'd like to introduce yourself, uh, the business you work for and the role that you have. Hi, I'm Alex Rotsley. I'm the head of Geovation, which is part of Ordnance Survey, Britain's national mapping agency. Uh, and we run an accelerator to help the best uh, location data and prop tech startups launch and grow. Fantastic. Sam? Uh, yep. Hi, I'm Sam Birds. I'm an investment associate at Elmarks. Um, we're an innovation consultancy uh, and it's my job to look after the development and continual performance of the portfolio companies we've um, invested in. Okay, great. And finally, Guy, if you want to explain about yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm Guy Davenport. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Lockpin. Um, Lockpin is a digital location and, and data platform. Uh, we make communicating with customers and end users about where and how to find them really simple um, and provide a, a range of services for businesses who provide last mile delivery services. Fantastic. Krishma, over to you. First up, Alex, can you kindly explain what's happening in location-based tech um, and how does it benefit both startups, their customer base, and let us know what's happening from a Geovation perspective as well? Sure. So, um, I think we're entering into an era where um, the availability of location data is becoming ubiquitous. 
Um, mobile phones um, are the default internet access platform increasingly. And when you've got a mobile phone in your pocket, you have location intent baked into every, into every digital interaction. So that provides huge ranges of, of opportunity for, for new kind of service delivery. Um, it also provides you know, huge challenges around you know, privacy, um, user data, the, um, how we track, how we monitor, and how we realize benefits from that. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Um, and as part of a national agency responsible for our geospatial infrastructure, we're really keen to understand what, what companies are doing to kind of take advantage of these technologies um, because they're going to underpin sort of the next wave of you know, the industrial, the fourth industrial revolution around integrating um, IoT devices and, and you know, all the AI stuff we're talking about because all of that will have um, a location element. So that's why we as a, as a, as a corporate invest in geovation to give us access to um, startups that are doing interesting stuff in this space so we can learn from them. And, and just just briefly on that, then, Alex, when you when you joined um, Geovation, was was that same goal the same goal as it is now, or was it different because the technology has moved on from when you when you set up Geovation in the first place? So Geovation's actually celebrated its tenth anniversary this year. Um, so we started off doing open innovation challenges in two thousand and nine, and it was very much driven initially by the um, increasing demand for ordnance service to open up its data um, to third parties to make it more available for the um, the ecosystem of startups to use open data. So we've been looking at kind of this space for a while. I think uh, it's fair to say, though, that it's accelerating, um, that we're seeing uh, it absolutely as this becomes, you know, uh, increasingly pervasive, and, and particularly in the last few years in terms of um, the explosion around, you know, IoT and AI, we're seeing just the, the, the quantities of data and the ability to access it as becoming... Um, yeah, it definitely is accelerating. Yeah, perfect. And obviously, um, forgive me, obviously, for jumping in there, um, but I was going to ask, Guy, is from your experience, you, am I right in thinking you've worked with both Geovation and Elmarx as well? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we, as a startup, sit on the kind of edge of helping corporates uh, utilise location data and location information. Um, so we've been a member of Geovation for about two years now. Um, and benefit from the services and the, the data they make available. Um, and equally, when we're trying to engage with corporates who are interested in innovation, we've been working with Elmarx for probably a similar amount of time now, um, talking to some of their corporate partners around what they're doing around location data and how they can enhance kind of customer experience with it. Sure, okay. Um, so I was wondering a bit about some examples of startups using geolocation because obviously it has such a wide scope and you can do so many things with it. Um, what are some of the ways in which startups are using it? I think that's probably a good question for Alex, if that's cool. Sure. So we're seeing a huge range of, of kinds of startups using location data. I mean, some good examples on, on the property side, we have people who are using um, our detailed large-scale mapping to provide um, tools that let property developers uh, identify suitable sites for development, evaluate um, the potential for them to build new, new housing projects, which obviously is aligned with our sort of housing strategy as, 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 a, as a government. Um, the other end of the spectrum, we've got one of our more successful uh, alumnus, alumni are called uh, Flock, who are using real-time um, location data and information, sort of weather, population movement, um, the local geospatial environment, so whether A roads, B roads, schools, prisons, etc., 
um, to help you ensure when and where you fly your drones. Now, it's an question there about, you know, drones are still currently a reasonably niche market, but it's growing. And what we're going to be seeing in the future is using real-time data to inform what your product does for a customer right now is kind of um, definitely where we see things going. I think that's one of the interesting things for Flock as well as they've started with that drone insurance model. And actually, as they grow, they're moving that opportunity in lots of different sectors for mm, real-time absolutely. data feeding into insurance. And location is always going to be a fundamental part of yeah. you know, insurance risk and, and insurance claims. Yeah. yeah, and, and this, this obviously leads nicely onto the fact that a lot of startups who are collaborating with corporates probably could um, move across quite a few different verticals or industries, depending on obviously the corporate that they're working with. Is that is that fair? Is that something you're seeing quite a lot of? Obviously, obviously from your point of view, Sam, with Elmarks. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to give you a bit of insight into Elmarks as an organisation, so we like to define ourselves as like quite sector agnostic. So we really pride ourselves in the fact that we can um, identify specific issues within. Um, market sectors, whether that's in insurance, as we've been talking about, or or, um, or prop tech or anything like that, and sort of drill down to the core pain point that each of these industries find. And we see lots of similarities between them as well. So, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, Guy was, was on the roll there, essentially, with what we've um, sort of been seeing within, like, us like, recently as well, is the whole sort of block uh, is a great example as well. So you've got Lots of different problems within the insurance side of things there, but you've also got a lot of issues within sort of real estate and property side of things. So we can we like the idea that we can identify core pain points within each of these industries and then essentially leverage our network and then also help startups basically find the right use case or value proposition that will help that market. Fantastic. And then my, my question then goes back to Flock. I'm assuming the reason that they're working or works with OS and still do, obviously with the Geovation, is that they could not possibly get that real-time data without your your technology and your your open data? Is that fair? Is so it's a win-win on on both. Yeah, it's a combination. So I think our data helped them get up and running. I think they're using a whole range of data sets now. I think what actually came to us for was our knowledge of the marketplace, and quite uniquely, we also have a um, a full-time engineering team at Geovation. So we're a little bit more like a startup studio rather than a traditional accelerator. We have seven full-time engineers on staff. So we actually help our startups build their um, early products. So I think uh, we could, if you like, roll our sleeves up and sit down alongside them to understand how our data could help them get up and running, but actually then help them take that to market um, and get them to a point where they can scale and grow. Perfect. And, and, and Guy, obviously, um, uh, f- from your perspective, when you started looking at corporate innovation programs, so it was Elmarks that you were working with originally, is that, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, we, so as we've been talking about, we see opportunity with location across multiple different sectors. Um, Lockpin started looking at you know, limitations in postal addressing and street addressing and how actually you can leverage location data and technology. Um, originally, that was with postal organizations and e-commerce delivery companies. Um, but more recently, um, with Elmark's help, we, we did a program with Bellrom the global parent company for Autoglass. Um, and they operate in 35 countries around the world. Um, and following a corporate accelerator with them, we kind of, we've rolled that out across the US um, and have a, a global deal with them. 
Okay, fantastic. Um, Karishma, if you want to ask the next question, yeah? Sure. So I was going to ask a bit about what motivates corporates and startups to collaborate and maybe specifically to Guy, what would encourage a startup to collaborate with the corporate? Yeah, I think it's a, a really interesting topic. I think um, there are a huge number of corporates these days who have, you know, it seems every corporate has a, an innovation manager of some kind. Um, and so I think you see different stages, I'm sure Sam can attest to this with Elmark, yeah. as experience, different stages in terms of what corporate innovation looks like. And sometimes it's more of a marketing exercise. Yeah. And sometimes it's really actually businesses recognizing that um, technology is disrupting all industries, all businesses. And your traditional business model may look fine now, but in five years' time, it simply won't. And so the only way to really test that is to understand you know, what opportunities are out there. And startups provide a brilliant way for corporates to quickly test new concepts, new ideas at relatively low cost and relatively low risk. Um, from our side as a startup, um, we see that the biggest opportunity for us are with big enterprise clients who have you know, large user bases, large customer bases, and big costly problems. Um, so we're very focused as a business on helping enterprise clients. Um, so the corporate innovation piece plays into that really nicely. If you can find a business that's committed to doing innovative projects and, and has budget to do it, um, then that's, that's great opportunities for us. It's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because every time you sort of go to larger corporates, they always say they want to be ahead of the curve. They always want to differentiate themselves from the, the typical in the marketplace. But nine times out of ten, all these companies aren't willing to put their money where their mouth is, I suppose. Yeah. Which is why these sorts of accelerator programs are so good for all parties involved, I suppose, because it gives them a chance to not only sort of if they're doing it on the cynical side as a marketing stunt, but they can also get a lot of out of it on a sort of operational and a practical level as well. And then as you mentioned, it gives the startups a great opportunity to get embedded within organizations and show them essentially how a dynamic approach to the same Solution, uh, same problem can sort of be identified and resolved on a maybe a different mindset or a different attitude than that one is like what they currently have at the moment. Absolutely, and and the, the question guy I think hit the nail on the head when he said that everyone has an innovation manager these days is something that seems to be more in trend. I'm obviously in terms of corporate accelerators and um, incubators and all all that kind of stuff. So. Elmarx, obviously, I know have worked with corporates for five, six years now. Um, so when you, when you go to a, a corporate, Sam, and um, you're kind of pitching to run a corporate innovation program, what would you say to them? What what are the, the key reasons why you would say work with us as opposed to do it yourself? I suppose it kind of alludes to the, the previous point. It's how committed are you to your future? And how much of a risk are you willing to take on sticking to what you know and what the rest of the market knows as well? So it's a case of finding the, the fear within an organization, I suppose, and essentially utilizing that and making them question what their current ideology is, where they see the issues, and basically finding the right solution that fits um, each of these um, issues within their specific corporate Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And then, Alex, I'm going to actually test it the other way around as well um, and say I'm assuming that some startups think this is just the magic wand. They're going to come to you guys. They're going to, you're going to give them loads of free stuff and you're going to make their life easy. I'm assuming it's not that simple. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think, um, I think the key thing is to be 
framing the interaction really honestly and clearly up front. So we're very explicit. Although it looks like an absolutely great opportunity on our program, we are an investor. Right? We, might, we might be investing cash, but we're investing. We have an amazing office space. We have 12 months residency. We give them playgrounds for the grant funding. We invest up to £100,000 worth of development resource, depending on the business, in exchange for share options. So we're, we're quite, we're hands on. So there's no illusion here that we're not, you know, we're not doing it for our health and it's not like a free pass. We expect them to be performing, expect them to be um, working with us for their best. The flip side though, I think is really important. I think corporates have to be honest with what they want out of interactions. It drives me mad when we see our startups being invited to meetings with major corporates who say, hey, you know, come and tell us all about what you're doing. And, you know, sometimes overseas, we have one team had to go over to Germany. They had three meetings with this big German corporate and they were so excited by this opportunity with a big customer. Um, it was in all their decks. We had fast discussions with company X. Um, they were trying to raise investment off the back of it. And I asked them very frankly, you know, so have you discussed the deal with them? Is there a pilot? Well, no, they're really excited though. And it's like, well, everyone has an innovation manager. Their job is to scout the market and talk to small companies. They have, they have no... They will get fantastic year-end reviews when they come and say, I've met 100 companies this year. They were really interesting. This is what I learned. So the startup has to be super, super direct. So on day one, we're here. We're a small company. This is a valuable time for us. Um, are you willing to commit resources, budget, to a pilot or doing something with? Otherwise, this is just you know targeting and really, really destructive. So accelerators provide, hopefully, a good starting point to be, have an explicit value exchange between the corporate and the, um, and the startup that makes it you know, clear. But not over-promising is, is kind of key. You, know, you can't guarantee that you're going to have um, a contract on day one. Um, or if you are planning that, then make sure that's explicit as well, because that changes the value proposition. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd second that. I think the, the corporate accelerator program gives a real good Point of focus and you know, set those expectations which is a 10 week or 12 week period where we are going to build and test something together and set some clear success criteria after that it doesn't necessarily get you away from you still have to talk to the full corporate machinery at some point um, and so even if you've had a hugely successful accelerator program um, it can still be months and months and months before actually anything commercially signed and you move forward an extended pilot or a rollout or anything like that um, and that's i think that's always going to be the case that's always the nature of when you work with a big business there's a lot of people involved there's a lot of processes to go through um, but from a startup perspective you're able to spin things up much more quickly we're always banging on the door and we can move things more quickly um, but i think you have to come to that with a, a sense of realism around it and almost demonstrate to a corporate that you are able to work at, uh, in their time yeah. frame, in their lens. Um, uh, but it, it can be really challenging to know when mm. you push harder on that uh, and when you just have to wait it out. So two quick questions. One assumes going through a corporate innovation program that some of that top-heavy management has already been dealt with. So you have a clearer... X, Y, and Z as a way to go from beginning, middle to end. Is that fair? Yes. So within the LMARCs programs, we ensure that before the program goes live, um, we have the backing of C-suite or director level. Um, 
people within the organizations essentially they um, come in as an internal mentor to each of the startups and essentially make sure that each um, company that's sort of going through the program um, is sort of looked after if there are any obstacles they can be the person that sort of pushes um, pushes it through the pipeline essentially and basically make sure that at the end of the, the 10-week program everyone gets the most from it as well so you have those sides of um, Okay. So I was going to ask Guy, um, through Geovation and Elmark's Innovation Labs, um, your company Lockpin has collaborated with large businesses such as Belron. Um, but can you tell us a bit about how this sort of collaboration plays out in practice in real life? Yeah, sure. So I think um, each of the different corporates we've interacted with have been in slightly different settings and different different ways. Um, if I talk explicitly about Belron. Um, we did a 10-week accelerator program, so um, Elmark's organized and scouted startups. They solved very specific problems for Bellrun, so they did a really good job of identifying what problems they wanted to look at, um, and I think that clear scope and what they what they want or need um, is really important. That 10-week um, that program gave us a platform to do a pilot really quickly, we have we have a conversation for the last eight to twelve months before we get to a pilot conversation, um, just because companies have lots of other things going on, lots of other priorities, and have to fit in with that. Um, uh, but with that pilot, it then gave us the business case and the buy-in from senior leadership to go forward and sign a contract with Bellrun and ultimately roll out the service across the whole of the US. Um, I can't pretend that that was a, a quick process. You still have to go through all the processes within the organization. Definitely. And it also, we came into it very much saying, here's what we have right now. How does it fit with what you need? And a big part of what we actually did, you know, windscreen repair and replacement was not a target sector for us before we started working on the program. So it actually opened our eyes to a new opportunity. And the, the solution we built for them was, was similar to what we had before, but actually new and different. And we built that new functionality for them. And it gave us a chance to really get under the skin of that business. So when we came to pull a full commercial proposal together for them, we actually really understood what the value drivers were in their business, what their key challenges were. Um, so yeah, it was absolutely fundamental to, to winning that client. And, and, and obviously leading on from that, from Elmark's perspective, um, how, how easy is it to work with some corporates? I'm assuming some of them are are less um, likely to want to innovate in some areas. Do you have to do you have to suggest the areas that they need to innovate in it, or is it for them to suggest the areas first up? Um, so before we start each program, we essentially have this category identification, which is where are the pain points within an organisation. Usually, it's the senior level of people within the, the corporate that identify the, the specific. Silos, I suppose, if you want to call it that, um, that they see being the, the target issue. However, the whole point of having these category identification meetings is to identify maybe other areas that they haven't seen as um, key challenges for them moving forward. Um, also, within our programmes, we go through um, scouting and the applications that we have. Some of them we identify as wildcards, which are essentially um, applications that haven't necessarily... Um, been considered by the corporate, but we deem could be useful for them based off our understanding of the, the market on, on the whole. Um, so it, it does 
vary and I suppose some corporates are a lot more difficult to, to deal with based off their, their approach. I suppose it is all top down at the end of the day. However, I suppose from my experience within the actual um, day-to-day accelerator programs, it's more personal, I suppose. So whilst we do have a lot of um, C-level and directors that are engaged in the idea and they do want to see it happen, it is a very difficult process for others beneath them. And this is sometimes it's a hardship for them as well because they've been forced on doing this program or completing actions that wouldn't necessarily align to their day-to-day jobs, I suppose, out of the program. So sometimes we do see a lot of, um, of friction on that side um, and a lot of reluctance. However, on the whole, it is an exciting thing for a corporate to be involved in. Again, like I said, most they wouldn't do an innovation program if they weren't expecting results from it as well. So you do see... A lot of, of companies sort of engaging in this. It is, it is cool for a corporate to be involved in as well. A lot of the employees see it and the facilities that we have sort of set up within the headquarters, you see all the employees flock to it as soon as it opens because it's something cool and dynamic. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, there are some times when you do have issues, but it is generally quite, a, quite an enjoyable process for everyone. And Alex, what would be your, your advice to perhaps another corporate that's looking um, using the word innovation <laughs> with internally and, and aiming to kind of innovate their business, what would be your big piece of advice for that corporate? What should they first of all consider? Um, so first of all, controversial, I'd say don't use the word innovation. Unless, I mean, unless you really, really know what you mean by it. I think corporates use innovation as a way to cover up a whole load of stuff that they don't really know what they're doing. Um, I'm actually quite, when I first took this job, put on a survey, I was really conflicted by the word geovation. I was like, what is the innovation? It's like, oh, it was advertised as an innovation job. And actually, increasingly, it's been really helpful because they want us to frame very specifically what we do um, outside that kind of innovation kind of space where um, there's such a range of stuff that that, that covers. And I kind of break it down to three broad areas. Um, innovation and business model, one part of it, you know, how, you, how is your business changing? Um, innovation in terms of your technology you know, and the technology you're using so how does the technology change um, and then innovation is kind of a cultural piece as to how you're changing the way you do business the kind of expectations you have in the changing marketplace and so the last of those is an HR thing the first one of those is a commercial thing the second thing is kind of an operations thing so they're kind of if you're looking at innovation strategy know which one of those things you're talking about because you have a two three people in the organization who use the innovation that I've got have different responsibilities and if you match them up correctly you can have really good outputs but if you get the person who's looking at, you know, innovation as a, as a cultural change, and then you bring a bunch of technology changes, they won't have to deal with it. So I'd say start off by framing what does innovation mean for your business, because every business has a slightly different framing of that, um, and then make sure you're looking for things that actually match up against the expectation, because it's not a one-size-fits-all. I was going to ask you some of your top tips for collaboration. Um, There are obviously a lot of challenges along the journey. um, And you've mentioned one of them is maybe using buzzwords and not really knowing what they mean. Um, But what are some of the the issues that both corporates and startups might face on the collaborative journey? And maybe, um, should I direct this, (laughs) maybe um, to Sam initially from Elmarx? Yeah, I mean, I can think of one off the, the top of my head and I suppose... For both corporates and startups alike, it is quite difficult, but I would say a balance and a management of expectations. Not necessarily in a, a bad way of any connotations associated with that, but just anticipate the fact that, I think I alluded to this earlier, that sometimes corporates 
works slower than you ideally would like to or that you're typically expecting because they are a bigger company, they're a big beast with lots of different cogs attached to it and operations have to go through lots of different people rather than in a startup it is essentially just one decision maker making all the all the moves on, on the startup behalf. Um, so it is quite difficult in finding that right balance, also the right balance as a team as well. That's one thing that we've seen is, is, is critical in the sort of long-term success of startups coming through the programs. You could have three co-founders, for example, and they could be incredibly gifted technically. They could have the terminology nailed. They could have the, the capabilities, the, the resources to compete on, on a tech level, and they would have a, a USP that is so far beyond expectations it's incredible however if they don't have the right team member to essentially deliver this to someone within a corporate they're not going to get anywhere they probably wouldn't even get past the application phase so you could have the greatest ip ever written but if you don't have the right way of communicating this you you, you're not going to get anywhere i'd I'd say that's the one that comes immediately to mind and i don't know if you guys think differently that's that's really interesting. Actually, you're talking about collaboration within the team itself. Um, what sort of advice would you give to startups that are forming their teams in terms of collaborating within the team and maybe the diversity of the team in terms of talent or anything else? Yeah, I suppose, again, just sort of going back to my original point about balance and being aware that you're not, as one person, I suppose, as a founder, you're not going to be able to solve all problems. So just being aware of who you are capably and technically and then essentially finding someone that seems to be the right fit for you culturally as well but you know will add value in ways that you you can't i think in the early stages of of forming a startup you're you're not likely to have the perfect team Mm. but i think the point that's really interesting is recognizing where those weaknesses are in in you as a as an individual within the, the team um uh and I think if you can if you can take that and you can understand each person's role within the startup, yeah. and you can clearly define those, you can then start to bring in advisors and, and consultants and you know, people who do have experience, even if that's as a, a sounding board, even if they're not front-facing with yeah, the, exactly. the client or the prospect, but actually somebody you can say, right, I've got to produce a contract and a proposal. I've never done this before for a massive corporate. Having somebody who you trust as an advisor, you can mm. take that to as a problem. And that's a fair point. Yeah, trust. You just used that word there as well. Being yeah, trusting other people. I would say that's probably one of the hardest things for yeah. first-time founders as well. That we we particularly seen it on. Yeah, it's interesting. So we we call it coachability. So we we actually look at some, some key criteria for us to come to come to our programs. Are you know, obviously the, the basic stuff. About, is the business model? Is it a clear proposition? Um, are they credible people? Do they think they can do it? The most important for us are they coachable? Are they are they entering into this process with a spirit of discovery and partnership um because if they we've had people come to in like interviews like haranguing us like telling us well, you don't understand what we're trying to say here i'm like it's not our fault yeah. <laughs> you know um and if people start off with that kind of basis of you know we know everything um i said well then don't try to accelerate mm-hmm. and actually as a former entrepreneur i say to them, guys good luck i really hope you do and you might you might be completely right but then don't you know reach out and ask for you know the support and you know guidance of a corporate or accelerator. If you just want some cash, go to an investor. That's better place to ask for. Yeah. And and Alex, leading on from that, the flip of that I'm assuming is you need the right type of team in place because otherwise you're not going to be able to resonate and connect with the startups. Would that be something that you consider yourself as a, when you're recruiting within the team? 
Yeah, so we, um, we're very, very fortunate in that we, we have had a really kind of um, a deep buy-in from our, our organization into what we do. So we're a team of 15 now, so we're a significant team. Um, we've got our own space, so we've actually built our own kind of team culture that's very distinct from the core business. Our challenge is making sure we then bring that back to the corporate, or well, the corporate body rather than like anything else, actually making sure we don't just become like a very different satellite because actually for all of us to benefit from geovation, it has to actually keep reaching back to the mothership, if you like, in Southampton and making sure we're catching back. So we're doing a lot of work on that right now. But we have particularly hired people who um, display behaviors more similar to those you'd find in the kind of client and kind of commerce startup market. Um, we want people who understand the philosophies behind, you know, lean startups, possibly, you know, moving fast and working without kind of um, preconceptions. And um, a lot of what we can do is, you know, sitting on their side of the table. That's all we learn from. Um, so, do, do, so genuinely and passionately believe that these activities, from a corporate's point of view, are one of the very best ways of helping the corporate understand the kind of behaviors that are necessary for success in a digital marketplace and a, and a digital marketplace um, being very different to what they're used to in the past. Just stuff like, you know, moving from five-year plans to, you know, um, lead indicators of success, which, you know, every venture-based business is looking constantly at its trajectory rather than its outputs. Um, because we're living in a <laughs> era of radical uncertainty. So a five or ten year business plan is not worth the paper it's written on, but try turn that to a corporate board. Yeah. Um, that's what they used to, that's what they want to show to their investors. So it's, um, yeah, so definitely culturally it's a very powerful thing, I think, to have a separate team. So guys, I want us to finish on a, a positive and a, uh, or a benefit and a disadvantage. So I want you to all three consider what's the biggest benefit of, obviously from a startup's perspective, of collaborating with a big corporate or an organisation um, and what's perhaps the disadvantage or the thing that might not work out as you planned? So I think um, from our perspective, the, the biggest benefit from working with corporates is the, as a commercial business, the total opportunity size is huge. So if you can land a corporate, it's a, a massive win. Um, it's not like a consumer business where you're looking to pick up thousands and thousands of tiny users and, and gradually grow that. It's big, lumpy sales. But the benefit is you get lots of great revenue. I think the, the disadvantage there is they require a huge amount of time and effort to land. And so you need to look really hard at whether an enterprise customer is the right target customer for your business and your business model. Um, and that's, it's, you know, serving an enterprise client is completely different to an SME, um, let alone a consumer. You know, um, you'll, you have to work incredibly hard if you want to put a completely self-service product in that enterprise customers are going to use because they all have loads of legacy and complexity and they're all very special in what they need. So you have to be able to serve that. Um, and that's an opportunity if you are able to serve that. But the, the drawback there is you can, you can and will invest a huge amount of your time and in a startup, that's your most limited resource, right? So um, you need to look at that really hard. Fantastic. Okay, next up. Uh, I, I think beyond revenue, although I absolutely agree with Guy, I mean, revenue is always the best thing a startup can do. I mean, like, if, if you can win revenue from, a, from anyone, it's 
brilliant. For a startup, from a big corporate, it's great. It is difficult. But I go beyond that and say, you can always look at what's the other, if you can't immediately address revenue with a bit of corporate, what are the other um, scale benefits a corporate can bring you that you can't access on your own? Is that in terms of marketing messaging? Is that in terms of um, infrastructure or facilities? I mean, corporates have huge amounts of assets. They're sitting on, you know, buildings and people and teams and budget for marketing and campaigns that are out there. If you can find other ways of, of tying into that. So one of our teams has currently just agreed a partnership with IBM for his proof of concept. This isn't even an MVP. This is his first proof of concept. We've managed to get IBM to work with him on putting it out to the market. It's a tiny bit of work, but actually having the IBM kind of brand alongside that in the market, because he's an IBM weather, weather company data, so that's kind of like a good thing, um, is a really interesting way he managed to leverage that corporate benefit. It doesn't cost IBM, but actually it's perfect for IBM. But of course they want to support this small company with their data. But that kind of alignment of interest is really, really powerful. Um, and the biggest risk, because this advantage is just, again, that mismatch of expectations. Um, like any kind of relationship in not being clear about your priorities, not being clear about what you what you both expect to get out of this interaction. Um, if you can get that right, though, it's, uh, it's usually a positive thing. Yeah, and I've, I've thought of mine now as well, so we can go. So, um, yeah, no, I completely agree with Alex and, and Guy on those three things. So I just want to, to sort of add, I suppose, to it. So with along with your exposure and opportunity, you sort of get the ability to understand an insight into how a corporate works on a day-to-day -day basis, which may not be something that people have necessarily seen before within the startup, or they are thinking about a business model that they haven't really, you know, they haven't considered all angles to it. So as Guy mentioned as well, they weren't looking into the sort of like screen monitoring and protection side of things before Belvon. Now that's one of your, your commercial uh, agreements that you have as well. So the ability to sort of get insights and, and develop your way of thinking, I suppose, is probably one of the, the one of the core benefits. And then I suppose to go over to the negatives, it would probably be the, the risk associated with going on to an accelerator program as well. So it is all on the startup to deliver. And it's there is some duty on the, the corporate as well to be able to provide um, the startup on the accelerator with all the right resources. But if a, if a startup can't understand how to deliver to the, the corporate's requirements, then essentially they've wasted 10 weeks of, of their time on something and they're not going to get a commercial relationship out of that. So they've all, all the resources and time and money that they've put into that will basically be going to waste. So it's just a case of understanding the risk, but then understanding it's all on you to deliver as well. And obviously the flip of that one assuming is again, guys, is that corporates get to, to work with a startup before one of their competitors will be. So is is that something that um, corporates are very mindful of, is that they need to be getting in with that startup much earlier than competitor X, Y, or Z? I think that really depends on the attitude of that corporate. Mm. And we have some who we talk to who love to be seen to be innovative and pushing the envelope and doing new things, and that's part of their brand. Uh, we have others who are much more um, reserved and We've actually had sales conversations with people said, we think this is great. Once you're working with one of our competitors, come and talk to us. Once you've proven it in our sector and it's running at scale in our specific niche, then we'll talk to you. And they're just, they're a highly risk averse business. Um, yeah. I, I think that that works on, 
on some deep tech stuff, that might be a real thing, but I, in the space we work in, I'd be very surprised. Generally, you know, we'd always encourage people to kind of have as many relationships as possible in the sector. You know, the, generally, the, the, more, the, more, the more people you're talking to, the more things you're doing, the more benefits you're going to see. Um, and yeah, if a corporate starts being precious, if, if one of our corporate partners or sponsors say, oh, yeah, where are you going to work with? Guys, business. See if it doesn't work with anybody else. Yeah. I, I, I turned around and work from that because I think it, unless you get a huge check, you're starting to really limit your, your future potential. Fantastic. So to end on that, then it's collaboration within the the corporate innovation sector itself. So there's a reason why you're all in the same room together is because that collaboration has happened quite naturally. Would one would assume as well? Yeah. I mean, I I, I think you know the, the nature of this space. Um, we talk a lot about open innovation. I mean, we're absolutely passionate believers that success comes from these collaborative relationships. I mean, if you, you know, the world has really moved on, unless you are in, you know, the military or pharma, I mean, basically everything else is is going to be improved through kind of an open and transparent way of working. Um, that's just the kind of DNA of the digital economy. We build on the shoulders of each other and uh, that's kind of how we, how we grow. Absolutely. I think that you see the the rate of change as well. It's impossible to remain an expert and, and a market leader in all things. So collaboration becomes a necessity just to stay current. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. So the, the perspective we have at LMARX is that essentially we don't have competitors. So sometimes we have to obviously go up center. In that case, you are competing. But the idea around open collaboration is the fact that, as you said, we're all progressing each other. And if we're all progressing, then surely that's the success as well. This has been Ask the Cameron with Karishma Kasurka talking all things corporate innovation. Thanks to this episode's guest, production care of Graham Watson, and to L Marks, our partners for this series.